Welcome to Vantage Fishing Radio, where we discuss the hot bite and all things fishing. With your hosts, Dustin Clark and Lewis Chapman. Fish on! In this episode of Vantage Fishing Radio, we'll be talking about Vantage Fishing in our blogs and also this radio show. We'll be talking float tubing in Boulder County. We'll also cover Bar Lake and the Spring Fishing Clinic coming up, as well as some nasty wind and weather that they've had there in recent uh, past. And then ultimately in the hot bite, we'll be talking about Spinny Mountain and trout versus pike. So stay tuned. Welcome to Vantage Fishing Radio. Today we have our very first episode, episode one. Uh, we're extremely excited to be coming to you. Um, this is our radio show. Myself, uh, Dustin Clark, along with my partner, Lewis Chapman. Yeah, so um, with the show, we just want to talk fishing. We want to cover all things fishing, the hot bite out there, what we're doing, what we see other people doing, you know, what's good, what's not tactics you name it let's talk about it let's talk ice fishing let's talk fly fishing let's talk uh you know fishing from the lawn chair boating float tubing all the different ways out there that we're going to try so we're going to bring to you um myself uh lewis i'll be one of your hosts with dustin here um we're both military veterans and we both love fishing and we found each other through the patriot anglers um i grew up fishing in colorado for I don't know, I've been fishing since I was in diapers. Uh, So 1980, 1981 timeframe was probably my first fishing trip. Didn't do a whole lot when I was in the military, Um, but uh, making up for it now and, you know, try to hit the water at least a few times a week, if not a lot more. This summer, I'm hoping to to be on the water three, four times a week and bring a lot of that experience on board. Absolutely. Um, You know, currently the things I'm kind of looking forward to and chasing is uh, really into flow tube fishing. uh, we went and did that a little bit today in Boulder County. We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, also working on the boat. And I'll probably be talking about the things I'm trying to do to modify the boat to get that out to chase walleye, you know, big spinny fish, you know, big lake trout up at Granby, things like that. But uh, I also love high alpine fishing, chasing brookies and cutthroats uh, up at, at lakes above 10,000 feet. There's just something special about it. It's almost like being on another world. So we'll definitely dive into that in, in uh, future episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, like Lewis said, uh, my name is Dustin. I, I am prior military. I did grow up fishing here in Colorado, although I'm not a native. Um, my dad did teach me quite a bit fishing from the shore, mostly for trout. And uh, over the years, I've just expanded on that, uh, you know, going after walleye, pike, uh, things of that nature. As far as uh, uh, my current fishing attitude, if it swims, I want to put a hook in its lip. That's really where I'm at. Um, you know, uh, hopefully we'll be able to do a lot of that over the summer. Uh, I just got uh, the maiden voyage out on my uh, personal pontoon boat today uh, up here in Boulder County. So we'll talk a little bit more about that and how things went. Um, but let's dive right into it. Let's talk about what Vantage Fishing is and what our blogs are. Yeah, so uh, I've been working on the Vantage Fishing concept for quite some time. And as I was getting it honed in, I definitely wanted to somebody to work on this project with. And so I uh, talked to Dustin on an ice fishing trip this this winter. We uh, 
I think we went up to Joe Wright Reservoir. That's right. We did. On the drive up and on the drive down, we really talked a lot of business and fishing with it. And uh, Dustin got pretty excited and uh, agreed to join. So we partnered up on it. And so currently we're working to uh, bring a fairly regular blog where we do the same thing as we do in this radio show. We're talking about all the different things fishing. Um, Dustin and I write, but we also have another writer, Chris Katie on the Western slope who's bringing mm -hmm. some good stuff. Matter of fact, I've got a new blog sit from him sitting in the inbox right now. And so we put these blogs up on our website and, uh, from there they go out onto the Facebook. You want to talk about what some of these blogs are, are well, like? Dustin? Yeah, real quick. Uh, the website is uh, vantagefishing.com. So if you guys didn't get that, it is vantagefishing.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's also called vantage fishing. Basically, if you can search Vantage Fishing, we should be at the very top of your Google search or Bing search or whatever you want to, whatever you're here, uh, you use for the internet. Um, we're going to cover, uh, we, we have four major blogs out there. We have uh, the Hot Bite, which is basically hot bites around the state, whether it's tournaments or whether it's um, new lakes coming in, whether it's construction at lakes or... Uh, maybe there's even a, a stream out there that's, uh, that's deserving of the hot bite. Uh, we want to name it out, give you some tips and tricks, uh, go fish it ourselves, and uh, just hopefully everybody enjoys reading it. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the hot bite will also cover our interviews with, you know, big-time folks in, in the industry, whether that's uh, folks, biologists at CPW, yep. um, the park rangers, um, could be the fishing guides around. Uh, the state, as well as folks that are just killing it and, and know their craft. So, Absolutely. So we'll bring you all that in those blogs, the hot bite. Yeah, uh, so the, one of the other blogs we just recently came up with a concept for is called lawn chair fishing. Now, uh, this, is a, this is a concept of, of basically bringing a lawn chair out to the shore, throwing out uh, some power bait or a worm, and just waiting for a fish to strike. So lawn chair fishing is a hard one for me. It's hard for me just to sit there and wait for the bite. So I'm going to have to bring a cooler on some of these adventures. <laughs> We're going to fill it full of some fat tire and some, <laughs> some of our other classics. I think I'm going to first start out with Captain American power bait. See how oh, that yes. goes. In case Captain America fails, I think I'll bring the good old-fashioned night crawler and a sinker weight. And uh, we'll have to pick some good lakes and uh, lawn chair fish for some trout, catfish, and some other things. Yeah, you know, I'm not a huge fan of bait dunking myself, but uh, Lewis alluded to uh, – Captain America bait. So this is your red, white, and blue power bait that uh, you could buy at Walmart, Cabela's, uh, things of that nature. Um, so yeah, just uh, you know, bait dunking. So when we realized that you know a lot of fishermen, that's where they're at. It, it's about hey, I've worked my butt off all week, and I want to find a nice, cozy spot, and I want to relax. And if I catch a few fish, I do. And if not, you know, I'm going to reset. And that's what really it's all about. So when you hear us talk lawn chair or bait dunking, we're really not trying to slam it. Um, it is definitely a technique. Um, it's a technique that we're going to use and we're going to write about. And we're going to try to learn new things and share those things with you. And um, we just want to find some common ground with uh, most of Colorado fishermen. Because that is the bulk of Colorado fishermen. Yeah, I, I've got a new segment out there. or Maybe not new, a couple weeks old. Uh, the very first edition of lawn chair fishing where I... I brought my daughter and my son on two different weekends um, just to do that. Uh, and that's great. It's, it's a great technique for, for children and, uh, and pretty much anybody. Um, so the next one we have, uh, the next type of blog we have is called Bucket List Fishing. This is, this is Lewis's concept, his baby, on um, uh, what type of fish you want to catch in your lifetime before you kick the bucket. Uh, essentially, it's, it's fishing with goals. You know, create that list. 
you know, I've got my list and it's actually posted up. Go to our website and search uh, bucket list fishing. And there's actually, I think three blogs already on the subject out there. Um, do still three. Yep. You know, one of them's covering big lake trout. The other one are covering things like grayling and Arctic char, stuff like that. But essentially the bucket list thing is, uh, you know, myself and the folks I fish with and, and chasing down our list of fish to catch. And that's really what that blog's about. Um, and it, it just makes it a lot of fun. Uh, having that list and things to scratch off and those goals and it's like pretty much pre-planning your adventures and the things that you uh, plan to do. So it's uh, something I plan on sharing uh, with everybody through both the radio and, and the blog uh, uh, as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the uh, uh, the last real big blog that we have, we have several, that, uh, several others that, that do not make the, uh, the top of our list, but we will put them out there as they come along. The next big one is, is called On the Fly. You know, we have a lot of fly fishermen here in the state of Colorado. Um, I've been fly fishing for about six years. I believe Lewis has been fly fishing for about, about five or six years five myself. Six years. Yeah. So by no means are we experts on this. Uh, but you know what? Um, get to We get to go out and we get to fish. That's that's the main thing. We learn new techniques. And I might even stop somebody who's on the river that's, uh, that's uh, passing by and ask them what they're using. And uh, if I get the opportunity to to use a fly that they have that they are using and, and it catches or produces fish for me, um, get the opportunity to, to write about that. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, when it comes to fly fishing, I I, I know just enough not to catch anything. <laughs> you know, I'm still on training wheels. I rely on that black ant, and if it wasn't for the black ant, I would still be getting skunked every trip. But uh, I do enjoy fly fishing. Uh, I really do like it more so on the mountain lakes and the high alpine lakes than I do the rivers. So we'll get different perspectives where Dustin's a little bit more on the river and streams and I'm a bit more on the uh, still water. Yeah, absolutely. I learned how to fly fish with a buddy of mine on uh, on the Blue River in Dillon. You know, uh, extremely difficult water to fish, um, extremely crystal clear. Um, so, you know, presentation is a huge uh, part of fishing the Blue River. So as we get more experience and even as we recruit more riders, uh, maybe those that uh, that are listening um, can shoot us an email if you if you're more experienced with fly fishing. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we, you know we're always looking for talented folks that, that do want to to write and publish stuff under Vantage Fishing. So uh, hit us up uh, vantagefishing at gmail dot com. Um, so speaking of fly fishing, you know the next segment we're uh, talking about float tubing and float tubing and fly fishing go hand to hand. Except this time we didn't use uh, the fly rod, we used the spinning rods, and uh, we'll get to that here in just a second. All right, in this segment we're going to be talking about uh, float tubing. Uh, there's several different variations to this. Uh, I'm going to cover some of my gear. Um, last year, I upgraded from a, a regular donut-type float tube to a personal pontoon boat. Now, I know some people might think that's not a float tube, but uh, I do because I don't have a regular boat. Uh, so I upgraded to a Colorado Classic Accessory, I believe is what it's called. And I'm glad you upgraded because those donuts, the traditional belly boats with one chamber. Yes. You know, you got one chamber and that thing goes out. Hopefully, you got a good life jacket on. I'll just leave it at that. Oh, so absolutely. Sorry to interrupt there. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, Yeah, I graduated from it not only because, uh, you know, I got older and the belly got bigger, but I needed something that uh, kept me more up on top of the water. Um, so, you know, I, I got a great deal on it last year. Uh, um, and today was, was its maiden voyage. So, 
we got the opportunity to bring that out. Now, what kind of gear do you use? Well, I'm still using classic accessories. Um, you know, I'm on my second float tube ever. My first one lasted about 12 years, and uh, I'm on a new one this year, and I upgraded from the Togiak um, to the Cumberland. And I like it. It sits up higher. It's a little bit more comfortable. Uh, it's got more storage room for it, so I'm definitely enjoying it. But you know what? That Togiak, and I'm a big guy, and I put it through its paces, lots of rocks. I mean, I've been butted up against ice and high alpine lakes. And that thing just kept ticking and kept going. It was just time for an upgrade. So classic accessories, you really, you know, can't, you can't go, go wrong, wrong with. Um, and, you know, we're not getting paid for anything we talk about right now. So if we talk about it, it means we like it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you talk about gear storage. Uh, the one thing I like about the personal pontoon boat is, is I don't have to be picky. I can bring four full-size um, tackle boxes with me. Essentially, I think they're the uh, uh, Planos is like the 1700 series. I forget what Cabela's are, but they're the full-size ones. Uh, I will say the, the only drawback so far is uh, that the personal pontoon boat weighs about 85 pounds, so kicking that around in the water was definitely – started feeling a lot of fatigue halfway through the day. Definitely started feeling it in my knees. But being able to kick back and relax and put your feet up while the wind pushes around a little bit was a huge bonus. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's advantages to both. A lot more room with Dustin's uh, personal pontoon. You can upgrade with a, you know electric motor and all sorts of things. Uh, much safer rig in, in general. And he's got oars. So, I mean, if you get tired of kicking or um, you, you need that extra boost, you got oars, you can add electric to it. It's got room for a cooler, a battery, you name it. So, it's like almost a mini boat out there. So, it's kind it of, is. it's nice. And, you know, with the Cumberland, yeah, I'm light. Um, I've got a little pump air mattress pump i keep in the jeep it zips it up 30 seconds each side you know it's a dual float tube dual chamber so it's a bit safer but at the same time I, i've got my alice rucksack straps from the, the surplus store that i slap onto the bottom of that sucker and i'm ready to go down the trail and oh, yeah. the high mountain lakes so i've got a little bit more mobility where dustin's got uh more storage and functionality so it's yeah. kind of a trade-off so it's whatever which way you want to go it's uh, there's no really really no wrong answers there but uh when it comes to fishing from the float tube um, you know, so far I've used pretty much two rod setups, um, uh, with the spinning rod, I'm using a very short ultralight setup with a, a president, uh, presidential reel and, you know, a attorney trail ultralight reel. I think it's like a five, two or five, four, very okay. short. It almost feels like I'm using a super long ice fishing laker rod at some <laughs> points, but, uh, but I like it because I can reach the end of the rod, um, but still be able to cast a, a decent amount at the same time while sitting in the float tube, which is, you know, a big long rod and a float tube is very hard to work with. Uh, and line management becomes an issue. So I like it. It helps me catch fish. And I, I'm using light lines for the most part. So I know if I hook into a big fish, I got, I've got to play the fish. Um, and generally uh, in my float tube, it's rare that I fish anything over six pound test. Um, so we'll uh, see if that holds up through some of our adventures when we try to chase some pike at Smith or, you know, maybe go after some lake trout up Jefferson or something like that. I might have to upgrade a little. But to my other uh, rod, I, I, I do carry two in a rod holder for the most part, and especially on the high alpine lakes. I'll, I'll have my Orvis 5 weight, my clear water on there. And, oh, very nice. And very so nice. a lot of times I'm dragging around a 5 weight with some sort of beetle or something something like that uh, is the floater and, and a tractor and then an imp underneath. And then I'm I'm using uh, plastics or spoons or some sort of small crankbait with the spinning rod and kind of double teaming things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's lots of times uh, when I'll, I'll use a an ultralight with uh, with a worm on it, depending on the lake that lake or reservoir that I'm fishing. 
uh, slap it in a uh, in a little pole holder and let it just jig on the side while I'm actively fishing uh, from my seat. Uh, we talked about the the length of the rod. So uh, being in a in a one chamber belly boat, I always carried large rods. I always had seven foot rods and I always carried two with me. So having the bigger rods has never really been an issue. Uh, so today I kind of did a little bit of an experiment. Uh, I brought a long rod and a short ultralight Abu Garcia that I, I recently set up or reset up, I should say. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, I might end up going that route anyway, because the ultralight was very easy to navigate. I could store it on my back uh, panels or my back cage. Didn't have to have it out in front of me. Whereas the other one I'd be worried about if I took a took wake or, or a tree caught it, it's just going to take it from me. So now, let, let's just face it. Every fight is epic on an ultralight, <laughs> no matter how big or small yeah. the fish. Every That's fight true. is epic. I had trout today. They were only 10, 12 inches. And I'm like, oh, I've got a monster, you know, and it's just, it's just an awesome feeling. So where, you know, if you're on your medium action, you know, you're just hauling in another stalker. Well, speaking of uh, fighting little fish and making them feel like big fish, uh, at one point you were kind of hooping and hollering and I wasn't sure what was going on. Explain to us what, what you were seeing in the water uh, just a few yards down from me. Yeah. So we launched and, you know, while Dustin was getting in his pontoon, I've made it down the shoreline just, just a bit, not too far, maybe uh, 20, 25 yards from him. Working, working shorelines and weeds and things like that, looking for bass. Uh, I took a, a measurement of the water temperature, and it it's uh, it was 56 when we got in, and surface temperature was 61 by the time we left. So we're right in the middle of the bass spawn, first off. But, uh, yeah, I, I looked down from the float tube, and I'm wearing um, great glasses. The coast is, you know, I'm able to cut through the water, cut through the glare, and, and look down, and there's a, a great big largemouth bass swimming right at my float tube. Uh, maybe two arms length away and it got my, my heart pumping. I'm like, Oh my God, there's a bass right here. You know, it's like, this is going to be an epic day. And then all of a sudden the bass just does like almost a U-turn and like he seen me and took off, but it wasn't me that he was running from because then I got scared because there's this big shadow that started coming up way bigger than this bass. And you know, the water makes everything look bigger. And I thought the bass was huge, but this fish was at least three times the size of the bass that just ran off. And I was like, oh my God, you know, the first thing I thought was pike and I'm going to die and this is horrible. And, uh, but then I can sit and make out the scales and it was this giant carp and he came and he chased off the bass and he came to check out and see what the float tube was doing. And once his curiosity was finished, he swam right away. And that happened multiple times today. And an even bigger fish later on in the day came up. And then both times it was scary. You know, like, holy crap, what's this dark object coming out of the depths? Is it like the giant tentacle arm that's going to wrap me up and take me down? Um, but no, um, there's this great big carp in there. Uh, we actually seen a koi on the surface today. Somebody's let loose their pet in there. We've seen a bright red and white one. Seen multiple largemouth bass. Um, I know that uh, where we were fishing, some of these fish were transplanted from the um power plant here in boulder and i think uh, we ran into a few of those fish we've seen some yeah. monster largemouth but uh you know it's a bass spawn and so for the most part we tried casting at them a little bit but they weren't taken they weren't interested you couldn't even get them to turn their head um they're up shallow they're they're on the rocks and they're on the sand and they're on their beds the water temperature is at 55 degrees we are in the bass spawn right now yeah absolutely you know it's uh, uh you know i don't mind fishing for bass during the spawn i guess taking them up off their beds uh can be seen as a little bit of a of a faux pas if you will um uh, tried a couple times but then transition over to uh looking for crappie bluegill perch trout uh, trout were the uh the fish of choice for the day uh and we got a lot of them through a, a, a technique Lewis here developed uh, called float tube trolling. 
so he showed me how to do this, uh, and, and I'll, I'll describe it a little bit, but then we'll let Lewis get back into it. Uh, it's basically casting out from your float tube, personal pontoon boat, whatever you want to call it, uh, letting letting your jig or your rig hit the bottom, and then ever so slightly just kicking back with just enough tension on the line that you can uh, occasionally have felt rocks or weeds, but really trying to kind of feel that bite as uh, the trout are, are hunting for, for their food. So, um, you know, every single fish that we caught today, and I think what we had uh, 21 today total. Yep. Uh, I had seven myself. Lewis uh, kind of bullied me around today and got 13. Uh, but they all came off this float to trolling technique, and I'll, I'll let Lewis describe it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, again, I'm using that light line. And so it's hard to cast really far, especially using light baits. And today, you know, I started out using a, 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 a not a big swim bait, but, you know, a two and a half inch or so. And I wasn't getting any looks. And I quickly realized that when the during the bass spawn that they were not biting. So I switched it up and went to, I think it was a 1.5 or a two inch, you know, Berkeley power bait, you know, fork tail minnow. And I put it on a real light 132nd ounce jig head. And so it, the, the, I essentially figured this out fishing in the high alpine on the float tube, you know, chasing brookies and cutties is that you're not going to be, especially if it's windy, it's hard to cast far or if you're not casting with the wind, um, just cast as far as you can, leave the bale open and start letting line out while you kick a little bit and get a little bit of line out, close the bale, give it, give your lure, um, you know, you can do it with any number of lures, not just a, you know, swim bait and a jig head. We give it time to get towards the bottom, and then once you're there, just the small twitches and small kicks and just barely be moving. You know, I, I think if you're moving more than a half mile an hour, you're probably going too fast. And it's almost puts you in mind of ice fishing. You're almost at a vertical jig, but not quite. Yeah. You're moving just a bit. And, um, you know, that jig across the bottom and across, you know, rocks and things that are underneath you look for structure in the water. And you're going to come across fish. And we picked up a number of rainbow trout, a couple brown trout, uh, and even one largemouth doing yep. that today. Largemouth wasn't of any size to speak about. But you know what? We had a couple rainbows that were approaching 15 inches. And then the two browns we caught were almost 12. So we're talking holdover fish, fish that have been there in at least a year, and really pretty colors. So, Absolutely. And you know what? The rainbows fought. They fought really oh, yeah. good. Lots of jumping, lots of diving. <laughs> Lots of spitting. We should have had more fish in. You know, our oh, uh, bite to catch ratio is pretty awful. We won't get into those exact numbers, but uh, should have had more fish in. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, you never get tired of catching. And I don't care if it's trout, carp, or, or bass, or walleye. You know, it's fun to catch. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the float tube trolling is uh, a new technique that I learned this year. Uh, I typically am more of a, an, an active caster than anything else. I tried several presentations today on jerk baits. Uh, crankbaits, spinners, you name it. I even tried a couple of cast masters. Uh, but really, the, the ticket was using uh, uh, the goat minnow. Uh, well, not the goat minnow, it's the, the Berkeley minnow, right? Yeah, the Berkeley power bait minnow. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, we'll have a blog coming out. I think Dustin's going to write this one. Absolutely. We'll have more information on this technique and uh, also what we use. So look for that. And just so, uh, if any of you were wondering, uh, we were actually at the koa lake in boulder today um you know uh, there's some shoreline fishing but definitely would recommend a a float tube we won't get into specifics on, on coves and what shoreline we were fishing but uh um you know being able to i was approaching several shorelines and you could see the bass um you could see the carp uh, you could see everything in the water it was very crystal clear today so yeah you know in boulder county 
KOA Lake is a great one. It's a little secluded. There's some businesses and stuff around it, but it's a good lake. But in Boulder and Boulder County is just littered with ponds and lakes that are fishable. Some aren't, so pay attention to where you're Absolutely. at. Um, but they, most of them have trout. They all have bass. They all have nice bluegill and crappie. So get out and explore. Um, you know, KOA Lake, it's easier from the flow to from shore. So if everybody's going to bum rush it, good luck, because it's kind of hard to fish from shore. There's limited access with the hills and trees and things like that. But uh, if you got a float tube or a kayak, it's a pretty good destination. Um, and not to say you can't catch anything from shore. It's just not oh, as easy. challenging. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, yeah, hey, yeah that kind of wraps up this segment. Uh, in our next one, we're going to be discussing uh, Bar Lake, the spring fishing clinic that's being put on by the CPW. And the uh, recent damage caused by these uh, annoying high winds coming through Colorado this time of the year. So stay tuned. All right. So Bar Lake, you know, it's a it's a nice little lake to to go to. Um, but we have a unique opportunity being paired with the CPW, and so do several other folks around the state of Colorado. I believe there's going to be a whole bunch of vendors there. Uh, but they're putting on a spring fishing clinic. Uh, basically, you can get to go to Bar Lake and, and learn from professionals around the state uh, that show up on how to target different kinds of species. Uh, Vantage Fishing is going to be there. Uh, we are going to be doing the kid fishing segment. So... The CPW has come along and they've said that they are going to put up a net. In, they're going to net off a portion of the lake where they're going to stock a whole bunch of trout into it and allow these uh, these kids to come on and, and fish it. Uh, so our goal is we're going to be there with uh, either fly rods, spin gear. We're going to help these kids learn new techniques on how to catch these recently stocked trout uh, in, in, this, in this section that's going to be the section of Bar Lake. Yeah, I mean, how cool is that? I mean, this state park is taking the time to actually section off a, a small portion of the lake. I, I want to see how they do it with these nets and things like oh, that. Oh, absolutely. I'm kind of curious. And, I, you know, I was told by the park manager, uh, Michelle, that, uh, yeah, they're going to put a 1,000 trout stocked in this area. So it's going to be a great opportunity to bring your kid down, learn how to do a little trout fishing with them, teach them some of the basics of fishing, and we'll be there to help. So look for us with Vantage Fishing, and we'll be walking up and down in that area. We'll have some extra uh, gear to help out with a little bit here and there, and we'll help with techniques and help you with knots and you name it. We'll uh, do our best to try to get you on fish and, and just talk fishing. So I'm pretty excited about it. And then, you know, the event as whole, in, in whole is pretty good. I mean, you're going to have folks that are talking kayak fishing, um nate's gonna be there where's nate not at um he's gonna be talking walleye fishing i'm sure you know that's what nate does and, and a lot of other folks are gonna be out there i think the patriot anglers are gonna be out there and a few others and so it'll just be a, a great great time uh, it'll be similar to the event we did at st brain so if you missed that that was a a really good time so um good way to get uh into the spring fishing frenzy and get in the mindset and learn a few new things so yeah i mean since they're doing kid fishing you know i think uh, i'm gonna try to gear more toward the, the type of gear that I would bring out for my kids. I have a couple of push-button Cabela's rods. Uh, but at the same time, I, I'm, I'm probably going to bring one of my fly rods. I'm going to use a five-weight, and depending on uh, you know the wind, the time of day, just bring a couple flies. Uh, Lewis had mentioned earlier in a segment uh, this nice little black ant. Well, uh, this black ant will probably be uh, phenomenal for these recently stocked uh, trout. Uh, but then I'll have as a backup plan um, a, a hook with – 
uh, the Captain America power bait because uh, for those that don't know, uh, the power bait scent itself uh, is actually the same scent that comes uh, that they feed uh, to like the hatchery pellets. Yeah, the hatchery right? pellets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's the exact same formula as the hatchery pellets. That's why you know even some large large fish tend to go after yeah power baits. Yeah, it shakes you shake your head on what is caught on power bait, and it's you know <laughs> if a fish comes from uh, from the hatchery and they're not. Uh, you know, natural born fish in the lake. Yeah. Um, they have a, they lean and towards, towards that scent. They know it and they, they know that they've been eating it for a long time and that's how they got bigger. And so and it's so, a trustworthy thing. And so the, the great thing about this, you know, if I'm able to bring some power bait with me, uh, the way I like to set it up is, you know, put a hook on, put a weight on, cast it out, put a, a, a fishing pole holder in the ground. It is a great actually technique to use, uh, during, uh, mild to high winds because if the line is taut anything that's tugging on that you're gonna see the the rod tip kind of bounce around and i know bar lake has, has some crazy winds or at least they have been this year um so hopefully we don't get any of that during the, the kids yeah. fishing clinic the wind has been absolutely awful and i do want to talk about that but before we go into the wind um you know you did recently write a blog about lawn chair fishing and you actually went into some pretty good techniques and uh uh, and actually put up some great photos on how to rig up some stuff when it comes to using Captain America power bait or whatever your favorite color glow presentation of radioactive power <laughs> bait might be. So check out Dustin's blog on launch air fishing. It's on the website. It's on our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, let's talk about the winds. So what was it? Uh, um, not this last week, but the week before, right? I believe so. Yeah, it was that Tuesday. And uh, Gus in the Brighton area, which Bar Lake is just east of the Brighton, reach upwards of 80 miles an hour so um 80 miles an hour that that's nasty and to put it in perspective an ef1 tornado is 81 miles an hour a category one hurricane is winds in that range so essentially bar lake in that area not to mention like all of the other front range because the front range was just windy period but at least in that area you know it, it, it took a hurricane literally and because of that, the lake it was chaos. Um, yeah. yeah, I believe I've I seen some photos on Facebook and in the news that uh, uh, things got broken up, a boat was sunk, uh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. So right? the, the morning after the storm, I, I actually had a meeting set to talk about the spring fishing planet with Michelle out there. And I showed up and Michelle and her crew were down at the boat dock and uh, she had a force of rangers with tractors and, you know, the ranger boat and they were busy recovering a sunken boat at the dock wow. and they were busy recovering the dock out of the cottonwood trees just to the right of the boat dock at bar lake so you know from what i was told and i did see a few pictures and i shared some of i took some of my own pictures of them repairing stuff but also shared some pictures on a blog i wrote um on this windstorm but uh yeah they had to basically bring the box dock back out of the trees and reattach it and they had to get a boat that the back end was sunken on on the dock and get it back up on a boat in a trailer it took a tractor to do that but uh what happened is it sounded like the uh, person on the boat was not paying attention to the surroundings or uh, put out because the wind was strong all day if i remember right I mean, yeah, even in the morning so they probably put out when they shouldn't have oh yeah um yeah. so please be cautious when you're launching a boat. If it's like hurricane force winds, let's think twice about it. Oh yeah. And Bar Lake is like a, a it's 10 horse or less, you know, no wake. So what do you mean? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the power legally to stay safe <laughs> on that lake in those conditions. Yeah. You have to break the law to stay safe. 
And so obviously you shouldn't be on the lake if you have to do that. But uh, so the dock it was going back and forth. And I've been out there in a previous storm that it was much like this. It was a thunderstorm versus a windstorm. But the dock, from what I understanding, was up and down like you wouldn't believe. Like for a person to stand on it, it is damn near impossible. And the boat was tied off on that way. They went to go get a truck. And while they were gone, the boat ended up on top of the dock. Oh. And so the person pushed the boat back in the water and when doing so, started taking on copious amounts, being tied to the dock and not being able to move freely. And the rear end of the boat sank down onto the boat ramp. And then eventually the dock broke off and it went out into the trees. So kind of a crazy circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not to preach safety, you know, a whole lot, but, uh, you know, wait five minutes, right? And then Colorado weather will change unless it's gale force winds of 80 miles an hour. I'm all for fishing in the wind. I like it, especially at uh, – at certain lakes, like like Spinney, you know, it makes the, the fishing that much more that, that much better. Um, but yeah, that's it's crazy. To a certain wind. point, you yeah. Know, to a certain point, we've never stayed in eighty mile an hour winds in Spinney. I mean, no, no. Nah. But I have been stupid enough to be out in a fourteen foot aluminum boat with nothing but a fifty five pound thrust Minnesota trolling motor, and uh, you know, I was pushing my luck quite a bit uh, that day. Uh, I, I I didn't even want to go outside that day, let alone even think about launching nah. a boat. Yeah, I've killed uh, out on Aurora Roosevelt. It's been common. I've gone out and the wind's gone crazy. That lake is super windy in the afternoon. And I got caught up and I killed both my batteries on my electric trying to get back in and ended up having to beach it and walk around. So pay attention to what you're doing. You know, yeah. if it starts getting windy do and you're in a boat that's limited or there's regulations that limit you, just start working your way off the water as soon as possible. Um, you know, and I was at Bar Lake two summers ago with some friends and we were, we showed up for the evening walleye bite and it was late afternoon. And just as we got there, massive thunderhead was rolling in and um, it, it was nuts. And wind started going crazy. Lightning started pounding by. And I remember this, this boat, um, it was actually one of those archery boats with the platforms for carp. Oh yeah. With the boat. Yep. It was a guide out there with a couple clients and they pushed it and he barely got back in with keeping his clients safe. And again, the dock was rocking and rolling. I, my boat was still in the trailer with not, not one thought in my head of trying to launch it. Um, and he couldn't tie off to the docks safely. So he actually had to beach it and tie off to one of the cottonwoods, which was a smart move. And, you know, we, later we were able to push his boat back out because the waves pushed it way up onto shore. But you know what? His boat was undamaged. I helped him get it back out. Everything was fine. He didn't go through the ordeal that this guy did. But the other crazy part, and there's another lesson to learn about the wind and, and weather and just boat ramp etiquette in general, is during that storm, it was nasty. It was crazy nasty, almost like these high winds. There, it, um, rumor had it that a tornado was in the visibility was just gone because of the storm. That there was a tornado on the, the opposite side of the dam. You know, I can't verify that, but that's what it was said. Um, and so the Rangers are trying to back down their truck with their boat on their trailer. And one of the Rangers is in the boat, and then another is in the, uh, um, Cab of the truck. Right? Cab of the truck. And the Rangers in the boat don't have life jackets on. And they're trying to back into the water in these kind of waters, which is wrong. You should put your life jackets on immediately as soon as you got in, just so you don't slip that because you don't know what's going to happen in that water once you get in there. But the thing is, is there's a giant cottonwood and it is still there. It, 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 I started hearing this cracking sound from even inside my Jeep. And I like rolled down the window and it sounded thunderous. And this giant, like probably a hundred year old, huge cottonwood was cracking and was uprooted and fell right besides the boat ramp. But when it was coming down, it was intense because that's right next to where the ranger 
were in their truck and boat. And it looked like it was going to come down on them. From my angle, wow. it literally did. It was scary. I thought that, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst thing I've ever seen. Huh. Um, and fortunately, the tree landed to the side of it and didn't fall onto the ramp uh, right next to it. And you can go see that tree to this day. It's right there on the side of the ramp, falling over. Um, and the ranger in the boat was hollering his lungs out and almost in a panic when that tree was coming down, uh, trying to encourage the driver to either pull forward or back up get the heck out of the way of this tree coming down but it was windy so the driver had their windows up and it was rainy so the windows were up as the driver in a vehicle on a boat ramp when your windows are up whether it's calm weather or whether it's raining or wind and nastiness you need to be able to hear the person in the boat or the people around you on the boat dock so you're not running over a kid so you're not crashing into the dock or having a giant hundred year old cottonwood fall on you and kill you (laughs) um so just think about some of this thing. Some of this is common sense. You know, there was they were doomed if that tree was falling in a different, slightly in a different direction. Well, yeah, you know, they were doomed. You mentioned the crazy winds and everything else like that. Uh, our earlier segment, we were talking about flow tubing. Well, I mean, could you imagine if you were if you weren't paying attention to your surroundings and all of a sudden forty mile an hour winds start to start coming in? You're not getting off the lake in a flow tube. Um, yeah, I've had ones with, uh, with, uh, a trolling motor on it makes it a heck of a lot easier. Um, but you're just not getting off. So, so be careful and, and cognizant of your surroundings. Now I say that, uh, except for, except for spinning, you know, um, <laughs> I throw caution to the wind every time I'm up at spinning and, and, you know, it's rocking and rolling cause you gotta get that big pike or you gotta get that big trout. Big, big fish making these stupid things. Uh, don't they? Yeah. Big fish make, makes, <laughs> makes for stupid decisions. So, um, you know, in our, in our next segment, uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about spinny uh, trout versus pike. In fact, we might end up rolling it over into its, its own radio show to talk about it. So we'll go over a couple of key points here, uh, for the, the uh, the infamous trout versus pike at uh, at Spinning Mountain Reservoir. Stay tuned. Okay, so we're back for the last segment of uh, our first episode of the radio show. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I was a little bit nervous getting into this one, but man, it's it's been a blast to sit here and talk fishing, especially after a morning of fishing. But let's get to it. So I recently uh, had, had a uh, blog out, The Hot Bite, about Spinny Mountain, where I did an interview with CPW, a park uh, biologist that uh, manages the lake. And I'm not going to go into a ton of details here today, but we'll talk about a little bit about the controversy, maybe just tap it about the biology in the segment of, of the lake and, and tune into the blog for uh, more details. And I'm going to follow up and answer some more questions with C- CPW on that one and, and keep it going. Cause uh, let's just face it. It's spinning mountains, gold medal waters. There's trophy trout piking, or let me can, can't talk. There's trophy trout fishing and trophy pike fishing there. And so it's a very popular lake and everybody wants to be able to fish it better. So we're going to try to give you some more information. Uh, isn't it elbow to elbow on uh, opening day? I, I, yeah. Last time I heard yeah, it, it I was think, like a 45 minute wait just to get on the water. I think opening day spinny gets more attendance than opening day Rockies. <laughs> field. So um, that's how big of a deal it is. You know, South Park fishing is world-class fishing. So, so, so real quick question for you, Lewis. Uh, are you more of a trout or a pike guy? I guess it just depends on the day, but you know, I have been chasing pike a lot more 
Okay. Recently. I mean, if you asked me this question three years ago, uh, I was all about, you know, I need to catch a beast of a trout. You know, I didn't even care how long it was. I wanted the football. Oh, yeah. I wanted that trout that was fat and could fight, you know, for that epic fight. And, you know, just, you know, I call it the big fish high or the big fish adrenaline. Absolutely. When you catch a fish like that, you're kind of shaky. You're happy all day. You know, Spinny delivers that. Um, more time than, and time again. Yeah, and more than any other lake, maybe like North Delaney can can handle that as well. But um, Spinny just gives that out. And so, like, chasing the trout up there are epic. But I kept seeing big pike in there too. Yeah. And you know what? Now I'm on the roll with them. And they've been a bit more elusive. I'll tell you what. It's easier to catch a big trout in Spinny than it is a big pike. Yeah. I'll I've, say that right now. I've caught my master angler cut bow out of Spinny, which I, yeah, I love love being able to, to say that I've done that. But, uh, you know, the pike, I mean, any time of the year that, you, that you're fishing for them, uh, I know there's a certain time of the year, or at the end of the year anyway, when we have uh, the, the, the waterfowl migration come in, that uh, they'll blow up a suicide duck. So uh, a trout's not going to blow up a suicide duck. Not that I've seen anyway. Um, never doubt Spinny, though. Yeah, never doubt Spinny. I mean, it, it is an amazing fishery. So, um, but the big thing um, about it is, you know, is the lake balanced? You know, is it more of a trout fishery or is it more of a pike fishery? And there's a lot of controversy. You know, the trout folks, you know, and a lot of it's the fly fishing crowd. And even more, there's a lot of spinning anglers. But the, the I think the vast majority who fish that lake go there for the trout. Um, I think the few of us that uh, chase for the pike are in the minority. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy. These trout guys want these pike dead. They don't want anything to do with pike in the lake. And the pike guys want the pike to have a chance and for more pike to get big so we can have more trophy pike. Um, you know, I keep hearing Will from Tightline Outdoors say that Spinny Mountain is just as good as any Minnesota uh, fishery when it comes to pike. You can get your trophy pike right here and you don't have to travel for it. Uh, which is nice. And so it's it's a huge thing. So um, we, thought we'd, so we that's kind of the, the route we took with the interview was, you know, where is this lake? How is it trying to be managed? You know, is it being managed uh, with the trout lean or um, why are pike hated so much? Is CP, does CPW hate the pike as much? So it's a, a, you know, go read the blog to find out a lot about this. But, uh, you know, the comment section from the Facebook posts and, and on the website, boy, I mean, a few people are sticking, sticking up for pike and want to see bigger pike, but the vast majority just want a, a flat out massacre of the pike. They want them out. Yeah, you know, Colorado is a is a trout state. I mean, I, I virtually every water that we have here has trout in it. I mean, you could sneeze and catch a trout. I, I get it. I understand that people come here to trout fish. I, I had taken a trip out to, to D.C. at one point, and, um, and it, there was a season for trout. You know, and I wasn't in season to fish trout, so I, I went and I fished bass. And um, I thought it was very strange because I've fished so long in Colorado – that there is no trout season. So I can understand why people, uh, fly fishermen or anybody else uh, in that nature, would come to Colorado for trophy trout. It's because that's kind of the bread and butter that go along here. But I do love pike. You know, I, I got my first pike to the ice this year. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal thing. So, yeah. And so, I mean, the good news, and hopefully I'm not spoiling the whole blog. There's a lot of good other information in there. So definitely go read it. But the lake is balanced, and that's what CPW says, and I tend to agree, you know, because I go there, and I can catch a trophy pike, and I can go there, and I can catch a trophy trout, and that's how the lake holds up, and that's how the lake's held up the last four or five years, I would say, 
yeah, it probably doesn't have the amount of trophy trout in it that it would have if there wasn't pike, but you're still a gold medal, gold medal trout lake. And, you know, I go over the definition of gold medal in the blog, and there's only two other lakes like that in the state, and that's Steamboat and that's North Delaney. And so it still holds that. Like, it, 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 Spinny on their sample surveys, like when they, they gill net out there, can literally lose this designation if the trout don't reach a certain length per water acre and, and numbers of trout. And so, and it's continuously held it up. So I don't think the pike affect it as bad as some of these uh, trout lovers. And don't get me wrong, I love catching big trout. And heck, we were fishing trout today. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but I don't think they affect it as bad as it is put on. Um, and I am scared that if you do take out too many of the big pike, I do think the big pike, you know, yeah, they lay more eggs than a small pike, but if you have numbers of small pike, they're going to outcompete and out eat the, the stuff in the lake that the trout can get and the trout won't get as big in my opinion. Um, so by eliminating big pike out of that lake, you're going to have more hammer handles, which, you know, are, you know, we're talking 10, 12, 15 inch pike out there competing with those trout because the pike are cannibals. They will eat each other and those big pike are keeping them down. And so, uh, you know, I got to go fishing with Nate Zielinski out there and I learned a lot about the ecosystem from him and as well as these inter interviews from CPW. And so the main forage actually in this lake is sucker and perch. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of sucker fish in there and there's a lot of perch in there. Um, it's very rare that somebody catches a perch in spinny, but they're there. I've marked them on the sonar and, uh, that's what a lot of the pike and even some of these trout are probably eating is these sucker in, in the perch. Um, yeah, pike do feed on trout. I'm not going to say they don't feed on trout. Um, and maybe that the kill ratio is so good that you don't see the evidence as much, but you know, I do not see a whole lot of trout coming scarred up out of spinning. Occasionally I will. But I don't see a lot of trout. It looks like they've been in a battle for their life with a pike. Yeah. Um, Maybe some of the bigger, bigger ones that we've caught or seen. Yeah. You might have, a, uh, you know, a couple of scars. But that, that could have been, you know. And the other thing is the CPW stocks spinny heavily to keep the trout population where it is. And so it, it kind of creates the balance. And I think that's where that balance comes from with the ecosystem and the amount of food because of the, the uh, large bowls with the great weed base. There's all sorts of scuds and snails. And, you know, there's all sorts of insect hatches always happening in there. And then you, you add in the perch and suckers. There's a, just a ton of food in that lake. And that's why we're getting trophy fish, whether it's pike or trout. Well, since, you, since you're talking about, you know, the biology of a lake, uh, uh, we reached out to our, I reached out to the CPW to, to ask about uh, everything that's going on with Chatfield. You know, everything that's uh, all this construction that they're doing and, and, you know, the water levels that they're trying to increase and how that's going to affect the, the biology and the fishery. Fishery. So hopefully here in the next couple of weeks, we'll have, a, we'll have another hot bite out there for, for Chatfield State Park. Yeah, that'd be great. I look forward to that one. Learn more about the walleye, the smallmouth in there. Yep. Um, and then also this spinny discussion is not near done. Um, I, I fish it way too much to only allow, you know, a, a nine, ten minute segment of oh, talking yes, about yes. it. So... Um, I'm going to continue following up with CBW to gain as much information as I can. And I also want to interview some of the guides that are out there and bring that to you that, that fish spinny day in and day out. And, uh, we just want to provide a, just a whole picture of this lake. So stay tuned to the radio show and keep watching, uh, 
uh, for future blogs on the subject. Absolutely. If you happen to like this uh, uh, this radio show, uh, like, share it out for us, um, and, and you know, send us your your questions, comments. If, uh, if there's a particular topic that uh, you think we could cover, um, we try to preach that as well. You know, if somebody wants to, hey, uh, I've been fishing this lake for for 15 years, I've never been able to get into this type of species. Um, yeah, I'm sure we could probably find something out about it if we don't go fish it ourselves. So, uh, like I said, again, like and share. You can go out to VantageFishing.com. Uh, that's our website. You can go out to Vantage Fishing on Facebook. We have Vantage Fishing on Twitter. We have Vantage Fishing on Instagram. Um, we try to hit up all the – all I, the, I can't keep track of all this. Yeah. We've got it everywhere. We've got it everywhere. So, uh, look for Vantage Fishing, and uh, we will see you – Next well, time. Oh, what, one, one quick note. Um, you know, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about, please send us an email, vantagefishing at gmail.com. Yes, thank you. And, uh, you know, next episode, any questions we get, we'll try to answer a few of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank so, you. But, thank yeah, you. first episode in the books feels great. It does. Look forward to more. And uh, good luck and tight lines out there. Yeah, we'll see you next time.